This is the Sport Market, featuring the bulls and bears of sport business from coast to coast. Here's your host, Tom Manette. On the hockey side of things, we've got four Canadian teams in playoff position. If the playoffs in the NHL began today, you'd have the Toronto Maple Leafs as an Atlantic divisional team. And then you'd have three Western Canadian teams, the Winnipeg Jets, who just happen to have the best record overall in the entire National Hockey League at 28-9-4 with 60 points going into the weekend. They're 9-0-1 in their last 10. They've won eight straight games. Who would have thunk that? And who would have thunk that it was possible to have two Canadian teams, one, two, with the Vancouver Canucks just one point behind the Winnipeg Edmonton Oilers, who after a horrific start have now won nine straight games. They're in the first wild card suddenly with 45 points. And you've got the Toronto Maple Leafs joining them. You'd have four of seven Canadian teams in the Stanley Cup playoffs first round if they began today. And certainly from a hockey business point of view, from a sport business point of view, I've always said that four is my over under for the seven Canadian based franchises. If you have four or more, you're giving your Rogers sports nets and, and radio and television broadcast rights holders NHL sponsors, NHL licensees operating in Canada, you're giving them a lot to work with. You've got just one or two Canadian teams out of the seven making it to the postseason. It's just not the same. Uh, it's just not the same proposition. Come April, you get four or more Canadian-based teams, and we've got ourselves a lot of great nights at sports bars and restaurants and other watch parties uh, throughout Canada. I can't recall this kind of a halfway mark position where you'd have four Canadian teams in playoff position, but more importantly, three of those four really on runs and playing the best hockey that they've played in recent years. And the big surprise being the Vancouver Canucks. It's also not just a wildcard weekend, but an NFL super wildcard weekend part of our podium. Now, with the top three sports business stories of the week, here's the Sport Market Podium, funded by Alpine Credits. Own your home and need a loan? Homeowners get approved. Apply now at alpinecredits.ca. For background on the stories, go to the sportmarket.biz. On our fast podium, funded by Alpine Credits, the bronze medal story, number three sport business story of the week, yet another record, a, a very encouraging, positive record for the Professional Women's Hockey League, the PWHL, that debuted on Monday, January 1st. After setting a all-time women's hockey uh, attendance record in Ottawa of 8,300 a couple of weeks ago, they break it. 13,000 and change at the XL Energy Center, home of the Minnesota Wild of the National Hockey League, setting a new record for women's hockey. Now here's Heising with speed. Cuts in, shoots and scores. Taylor Heising. Second goal of the year and it's 1-0 Minnesota. 
Taylor Heisey, of course, of the hometown Minnesota team, scoring there before that crowd of more than 13,000. I I made this comment earlier this weekend on the sport market, but I know that there's all kinds of clout and all kinds of deep pockets in uh, uh, Mark Walter, who is Guggenheim baseball management owner of the Dodgers, and his consortium is is behind this deal and it's being done as single entity. And you've got Stan Caston with all those Dodgers and, and other sport business experience. It is a well-led, well-marketed, well-funded um, uh, proposition. But I believe it reaches its zenith if it can be done in partnership with the National Hockey League. And why I feel that way, it's pretty simple. You look at the NBA, WNBA model, and that has been the model for women's professional sport in North America. Why not borrow a page from that going forward? In the silver medal position, our number two sport business story of the week, changing of the guard in coaching in the National Football League and in college football. Bill Belichick, departing from the New England Patriots. Pete Carroll, departing from the Seattle Seahawks. And Nick Saban, retiring from Alabama. In those three, you've got a lot of success. And in the case of at least a couple of them, some real great philosophical footing that, you know, we can be inspired by our athletes, but we can also be inspired by head coaches like the 72-year-old veteran Pete Carroll. The real part of the league that could give us real focus and direction is is celebrating the the players that make this game happen and realize that and, and come to the understanding that you you have no game without these guys and you have no level of this game without without our guys and they deserve to be seen for that. What does that mean? Well, you're going to look after them. You're going to take care of them. You're going to see them through their careers the best way you can, make the decisions that always support their health and their welfare and their well-being and all of that. That's part of it. But then as they come out of their careers, what are we doing for them? Do we let them go? And they, they're, they're, now they're on their own. Or do we celebrate them from now on? Was it not worth a lifetime of support for those guys? And, and whatever that means. And... Uh, and there's so many ways to do that. Um, when uh, Dave Baker was at the Hall of Fame, I talked to Dave about this. Um, you know, why could we not find ways to, to utilize our former players in ways all over the country and let them be ambassadors for the league and for and for sports and for achievement and for manhood and you know all the education and all the wonderful things that they could stand for, and just stay with them forever because they played the game. We got enough money. You know, I think, you know, there's enough money to do that and figure it out. But what we would create, why wouldn't we be creating superheroes for our young kids? Pete Carroll, after 14 years head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, won and should have been two back-to-back Super Bowl titles. He will be replaced sometime soon in these next few days, few weeks, you'd think. But it really is a changing of the guard within a 48-hour period that we haven't seen before. We haven't seen a 27-year sport business relationship like we have seen between Nike and Tiger Woods. That breakup is our gold medal story on the sport market podium funded by Alpine Credits. And it transcends just a business relationship. It became a cultural relationship. It became a golf fashion relationship. Tiger really coming in big in the Masters back in 2005. 
goodness. And we hadn't. We hadn't back then, and we may never see exactly the impact that Tiger Woods had on professional golf, and quite frankly, on all of sport, especially the individual sport disciplines where golfers and tennis players are really entrepreneurs. They're contract individual independent contractors, so to speak. Golf had never seen anyone like Tiger Woods. What he did in terms of inclusivity, what he did in terms of moving golf beyond its its wild, sorry, not wild, but its, its, its white base into a truly international feel that he brought to the game, the athleticism that he brought to the game. We'd never seen anything like it. And we marveled at it back in the early years of his partnership with Nike. And we marvel at it now when we see how many of today's golfers on the PGA Tour and on the Live Golf Series were inspired to play golf because of Tiger Woods. They're literally children of Tiger Woods in that regard. And consistently associated with him for all those years, the swoosh, the Nike swoosh. They signed him early. They maintained the relationship during some downtimes, during some periods punctuated by real errors in judgment by Tiger Woods. Nike stood behind its player, stood behind its athlete, and certainly... It was a high road departure, a high road breakup this week. 27 years. It now opens the door for Tiger on another chapter. He might have been able to do the Air Jordan type thing within Nike, the way Michael Jordan did it back in the day. But Nike's presence and engagement and business plan around golf is very different than it was even five to seven years ago. I don't think there's enough upside there. I think it's going to be another partner or potentially Tiger completely independent. But I would predict a Roger Federer type relationship emerges here. He's got plenty of Tiger left in his tank, if I can say that. And I would be surprised if there wasn't a very innovative, compelling solution provided to Tiger when it comes to his apparel, merchandising, and potentially equipment. All time, second only to Michael Jordan, who's north of $3 billion career earnings. Michael, uh, sorry, Tiger Woods at $2.5 billion, just ahead of Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas. Next up, we're joined of the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame to talk about this breakup. We'll also, at the bottom of the hour roll out our bulls and bears, the biggest winners and losers in the business of sport. You're listening to us on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the sport market, rating and debating the bulls and bears of sports business. Quickly, he's been exceptional, RJ, in the transition game. Corner three, pass 
Pascal's really shooting the three ball well as of late, and he connects from distance. The question is, how much longer will he be shooting so well from distance for the Toronto Raptors? We're talking Pascal Siakam, certainly one of the big talking points in terms of the imminent NBA trade deadline and where the Toronto Raptors go on that front. The biggest story in the business of sport this week is our gold medal story on the sport market podium funded by Alpine Credits, and and it is the end of a 27-year marriage between Tiger Woods and the swoosh, Tiger Woods and Nike. And to weigh in on it, we're joined by Dick Zokel of the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame, regular contributor to the sport market here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, Dick, first of all, your immediate reaction whenever it was made official with the high road statements on both sides of this marriage? Yeah, I, it's a, it's very interesting to see what transpired with this announcement. We've known for the past, well, for the past five years that Nike, um, you know, started kind of backpedaling out of golf. They stopped producing the hard goods equipment. They, they, they weren't very good at it. The ball they produced uh, from a player's perspective wasn't a top-notch ball. Everyone knew that Tiger, when he was even in his prime, playing with an inferior product being Nike, the golf ball. And, uh, and and so it's fascinating how it's come to pass now after 27 years. And, and the big question is, is who is Tiger going to move forward with? And uh, it's, that's some really fascinating things that have come about this past week that we can uh, get into in a little bit more detail, Tom. Well, you know, the big question, we know how well the relationship served all parties, Nike, mm-hmm. Tiger yeah. Woods, the PGA Tour, golf in general, uh, you know, the, the, the majors. Uh, I, I still get goosebumps thinking about some of those early Masters triumphs mm-hmm. that Nike co-starred, you know, with Tiger Woods because of the relationship. So the question is, how much does Tiger still have in his tank? And secondly, what do you think the next chapter uh, will will bring. Are we looking at a Roger Federer type deal where he does his uh, a brand within a new merchandising partner, or are we seeing something else? Well, it's so hard to to figure out. There's a lot of speculation going on. Does he continue on with a conventional agreement, or does he take his Tiger Woods brand that he owns and rebrand it? Uh, you know, there's always that 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 thought that he should be investing in his own equity rather than another company. So uh, there's a lot of speculation. TaylorMade um, is kind of in the, on the speculation list. Is that is that the lead? You know, Tiger's been playing t- uh, TaylorMade equipment for the past couple of years, and it, it, there's other companies like Skechers, Under Armour, Adidas, Uniglo, Ralph Lauren, Lululemon. And, and, and the interesting thing that happened that came about, I don't know if you're aware of it, it was a very cheeky marketing ploy by Topgolf. Topgolf is owned by Callaway. They put out a job dis- posting, a job listing posting for a new global head of golf footwear and apparel for, for Topgolf. And the job description, Tom, which was really, this is the cheeky part, the job description re- requirements were you must have started golf by the before the age of five. You have to have no less than 82 PGA Tour victories. 
And you must have led the world golf ranking for at least 281 consecutive weeks in a row. And uh, you have to be a highly ambitious person, yet vastly underqualified for the position. (laughs) We don't know if this is just a tongue-in-cheek marketing ploy or if actually, and and there's there's good reason that top golf might be the perfect vehicle for the future of Tiger Woods. So we'll have to wait and see what, what transpires. It, it, you know, we'd be in a slightly different position if it wasn't for the delay uh, behind uh, the golf league, uh, the Tiger Woods, Rory uh, McIlroy concept for uh, indoor golf, for, for team golf. That's been delayed a year now. Mm-hmm. What do you think is for sure in terms of what Tiger does moving forward? It might be just continuing to play on the PGA Tour, uh, making the transition to the uh, the Champions Tour to the to the Masters. It might be him investing more in, in, in being a builder through things like the Golf League. Uh, where, what do you think is for sure about his future, and what are some of the other wild cards? Well, I, I don't think he's going to be playing much. I think um, he's given indication that he, he anticipates being able to play in the majors and a few other tournaments, and that's it. But uh, I think his 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 next transition will be to the building side. He's going to stay extremely relevant in the game of golf, like Arnold Jack Nicklaus and Arnold Palmer did through their um, aging career, and 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 he's going to you know. It'll be X times uh, that what he's going to do. So I think he's constantly going to have an impact, and uh, you know, in 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 golf, and uh, and he's going to have a strong equity position into it. And I think there's also too is the is what he can do is he's I'm anticipating something completely different and unique, uh, uh, you know, in 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 involvement in the game that's just going to be second to none after this. So that's going to be interesting to see if he goes the conventional route or something brand new we're talking to dick zokel of the canadian golf hall of fame uh, uh, coming to us from predator ridge in the okanagan in british columbia here on the sport market on the Sportsnet radio network uh, when you look at michael jordan he's the all-time highest earning athlete in the history of sport uh, north of three billion dollars largely because of the five percent royalty fee that his mom negotiated <laughs> with nike back in the day and completely yeah. changed the proposition but two three and four are all golfers you got tiger woods at 2.5 billion dollars over the course of his career you've got arnold palmer and jack nicholas right behind them what is the same about tiger arnold and jack and what is different differentiating tiger from arnold and jack well i think that uh, that's a good question and i think what you know just looking back at jack and arnold they were able to even though year every year you know make enor- many tens of millions of dollars annually uh, uh you know through whatever they're schlocking jack's case and arnold's case was in the in the form of golf courses but their brands in which they associated made them a lot of money and i think tiger tiger is going to be able to you know uh, expand on that and then with this new ability with uh, influencing and, and marketing today and the masses, I, you know, this event that they're trying to do that got postponed a year, this this um, simulator golf competition, I think they're, they're getting very creative and, and 
and being able to connect to the masses, unlike in the day of Jack and Arnold, they were just connecting to golfers. Tiger is going to continually build his brand and expand it. And I think he'll catch up to Michael Jordan and, 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 and quite possibly surpass Michael Jordan as the, as the number one revenue generator in all of sports. So that's going to be fascinating to watch. What do you think, Dick, will happen first? Tiger Woods' new apparel uh, endorsement deal or a live golf PGA tour accommodation, uh, which is scheduled to happen before the masters. What do you think, uh, goes public first? Oh gosh. Yeah. Good question. Good question. That, uh, the, you know, the announcement that they're going now, another thing we talked about was Rory. If I could just jump off this subject onto this subject for a second, Tom, is that Rory this past week did a 180 and started talking about how he needs to look at things differently. And and basically what I put out on X on a tweet earlier in the week that with Rory's inside information, his comments are basically um, uh, telling the world that he's hedging his position on, um, on, on live and, um, and like any successful capitalist would do. Um, I think this fight is over. I think that the Saudis have won. His Excellency Yashir El-Ramayan, who's going to be in charge and, and, and lead the golden rule as it comes to professional golf. And I think it's going to be interesting now because, you know, Jack Nicholas spoke this week that he says it's inevitable. This money that's coming in from the Saudis is like a tsunami. And even though he may not like it, we have to accept this is going to be the reality. And, and, and so because of that, I think it's also there, Tiger's going to have to find his place uh, with, uh, with the Saudi group. And I think with that, um, that launching pad, um, you know, Tiger's ability to accelerate. And who knows, it could become, you know, the announcement could come together. It could involve the Saudis now that the, uh, that, it, that the world has changed. And uh, we're going to see what, uh, what happens. And this could be, as I mentioned, a launching pad for Tiger to really get to the stratosphere. Real good stuff. Thank you so much for breaking it all down for us, Dick. You have a terrific rest of the weekend. We'll talk again real soon. Thanks so much, Tom. Always a pleasure. He is Dick Zokel, former Canadian PGA Tour player uh, in the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. Next up, we'll do some good, some bad, and some ugly with John Festinger. Next, here on the Sport Market on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You're listening to the Sport Market. Once again, here's your host, Tom Mayonect. Rolls in front. Winners of nine straight they are. The Edmonton Oilers, who after a horrible start and a coaching change, are 22-15-1. Something like 16-3, and three, you know, under Knobloch. And that 45 points gives them the number one wild card. So as of today, 
if the playoffs began, you'd have four four of the seven Canadian-based teams in the Stanley Cup playoffs, three of the four of them in divisional position. And it's a perfect segue to our Bulls and Bears. It's time for the Bulls and Bears of sports business. Winners and losers in the business of sports. The fast-rising stocks and the ones who've fallen. We're bullish on the group of seven, at least four of the seven Canadian-based franchises in the NHL. This past week, one of the best regular season weeks for Canadian teams ever. In fact, the week was so good that it only amplified the bull market this season for teams north of the 49th parallel. Among the hottest teams in North American professional sport, and I mean North American professional sport overall, are the Vancouver Canucks, winners of four straight road games, including a sweep of the Big Apple in three games. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets, winners of eight straight, they're 9-0-1 in their last 10, which is just remarkable. They're number one overall in the National Hockey League. And, of course, the red-hot Edmonton Oilers. For those Canadian fans scoreboard watching, it just hasn't been a very common sight when we've seen the top two teams in the entire NHL hailing from Canada. Yet that's exactly where we are. On the bearish side of things, the NFL has had a bit of a rough ride, at least in terms of media and fan backlash this week, for limiting broadcast access to one of its wildcard games this weekend to Peacock, NBC's video streaming platform that regularly carries regularly carries a monthly subscription of six U.S. bucks per month or sixty bucks per year. Now, the issue isn't the three wildcard games on Peacock; it's the one. Saturday's Miami Dolphins-Kansas City Chiefs matchup that has been carved out of the broadcast and cable TV offerings. That's the one that Peacock, the streaming service, has exclusivity over. On the one hand, you can't fault the league's front office. Their job is to drive value for the owners. It's to drive revenue. Roger Goodell, as commissioner's goal, is a U.S. $25 billion a year in annual revenue business. The other hand is Peacock's also being smart with this. They're offering a 50% discount on annual packages purchased over the course of this, this, this period, including the exclusive wildcard game. That's smart audience building. Now, on the other hand, perhaps the better, more fan-friendly approach may have been one more year in which they would heavily cross-promote Peacock, but make it available on NBC as well, as they're doing with the two other wildcard games they're covering this weekend. Either way, though, take note and get used to it. Streaming is the way of the future. But the biggest loser this week in the business of sport is officiating in the NBA and the NHL. It's been so inconsistent and poor this year that we seem to be getting numb about it as a glaringly weak spot across the board in the biggest of North America's professional sports leagues, including the king of the industry, the NFL. On the upside... To this bearishness, <laughs> you got to tell you, the rant on NBA refereeing Tuesday by Toronto Raptors head coach Darko Rajakovic, upset that officials gave the LA Lakers 23 fourth quarter free throws to Toronto's two, was certainly entertaining and went viral to become an instant classic among rants by coaches in post-game media conferences in pro sport. Uh, on the other hand, uh, in terms of Rajakovic's uh, banker, we'll tell him it cost him 25000 in the way of an NBA fine. Those are Bulls and Bears. Perfect segue into the good, the bad, and the ugly with John Festinger, regular contributor to the sport market. John, let's 
capture the good being the performance of these Canadian teams. To me, when you've got several of the Canadian teams doing well as they're doing, and arguably we haven't seen this in more than a decade, it's good stuff not only in that one home market, but in the markets that connect all these NHL uh, communities together because you've got not only the individual performances of your favorite team, but you've got the context of other Canadian teams doing well, including some arch rivals. Well, there's so much good about it, but first let's talk about just how remarkably good the performances of Winnipeg, Vancouver, and and Edmonton have been. So just to, to operate on that superlative level, if you're a Canadian hockey fan and an enormous percentage of our of our country are hockey fans um, that's gratifying in and of itself because sometimes we can feel a little drowned out by American teams uh, so Canadian teams having that pride of position is meaningful the, the, the other part of it I think is as Canadians you know maybe you're in Montreal maybe you're in Ottawa um, you know, maybe you're in Calgary. Right now, if you're in Calgary, you still think you have a chance. You're within striking distance. You, you, you probably don't have a chance, but you at least think you have a chance. But at some point, you don't have a choice this year of one other Canadian team to root for. You literally have four teams you can root for. It's not one or two. Um, and I think that that kind of just raises the bar and, 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 and will keep more Canadians... Um, you know, in watching and caring longer about what happens. Now, I'm the kind of guy, as you know, John, and I think you are too, I'd love to see all seven Canadian-based franchises make the Stanley Cup playoffs because it's good for hockey in Canada. It's good for sport in Canada. Uh, It certainly is good for the broadcast rights holders and television and radio. It's good for the merchandisers, the licensees. It's good for the NHL sponsors in Canada. I've always said that four is my over-under. If you have four or more, you've got plenty of work with come April. Uh, You only have one or two Canadian teams, I'll tell you, it can be a very long and dry spring. What are the tipping points? Do you believe that four is the target and it's achievable, or are you holding out five or bust? No, no, I, I, I think four is a very good number, certainly from a business of sports perspective. Would I love five, six, or seven? Obviously. Uh, but those years, teams, that's hard. And I, I think back to your first point, that does make it harder for the all of the Canadian teams to operate um, because fans can can feel a little drowned out. You know, this is a year where where, where Canadian teams and therefore Canada have pride of place, um, and I think that really motivates fans, and it will motivate fans in a business of sports sense. It's good for the Canadian for all the Canadian teams, including Ottawa. The fan engagement is going to be through the roof. I predict we're going to have more scoreboard watching across the country this next 90 days, this next 100 days than we've had in more than a decade. And maybe 
more than ever simply because of how much more prominent devices and mobile device devices and digital and social media as news consumption pathways. Uh, I, I, I got to tell you, it, it's going to be a lot of fun, especially for the fan bases involved. Well, I, I completely agree with you. I think it's going to be a lot of fun for all of Canada for one reason. You have three teams playing at a Stanley Cup winning level and Toronto we know is capable of it we'll, we'll see how you know, and they're playing well so you know don't count them out but you have three other teams who you have to say are in the mix for the Stanley Cup right now um, seriously so that means that there's a real chance of a Canadian team in the Stanley Cup final and you and I know that's what drives ratings uh, you know what is interesting about this is yes the Oilers are currently in wildcard position I expect expect them to uh, overtake the Los Angeles Kings sometime real soon, which would make all four of them in a divisional position. That's another thing. Over the past 10 to 15 years, I can never recall this many teams being in divisional playoff position at this time of the season. Let me just jump over the bad practices in the business of sport and come back to it in a moment and get to the ugly. Uh, NBA officiating has been ugly uh, NHL officiating has been inconsistent and ugly. Uh, at what point does the league and its players association and some of the franchise holders, uh, you know, say enough is enough. We've got to do something. We've got to upgrade the product because our fans are expecting world-class basketball. They're expecting world-class hockey they're not getting world-class officiating. And quite frankly, the NFL is not immune to this as well. It's been a bad year for NFL officiating as well. This officiating is is very serious on two levels. Um, one level is fan enjoyment and fan engagement. And, and that needs to be figured out at a rules level and obviously um, you know, working hard to get the best officials and paying them properly. Um, but also the, the dark underbelly is the taint that there might be gambling, cheating. And, and look, there is now, you know, call it what you will, but there's way more gambling in sports than ever before. And, and there is a history of a connection between gambling and uh, officiating co uh, corruption. Um, and so that becomes Certainly a bigger, in the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, and, and, you, and, and so that becomes sort of the dark underbelly going there. And that's just not good for the game, whether it's happening or not. He's John Festinger of Chandler, Fogden, Lyman. I'm Tom Mayanek. Tino Ferris in the producer's chair. We're all happy to have you along for the ride. We'll squeeze in the bad practices in the business of sport just around the corner. We'll talk about the NFL's deal with Peacock that gives the streaming service exclusivity for Dolphins at Chiefs this weekend. We'll also get John Festinger's take on Bruce Boudreaux of the NHL Network, the former Vancouver Canucks head coach, talking about some interesting behind-the-scenes stuff in the Canucks front office. Good or bad practice? We'll decide that next, right here on the Sport Market on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the Sport Market. Rating and debating the bulls and bears of sports business. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Doug. That's, that's, that's 
outrageous. What happened tonight, this is completely BS. This is shame. Shame for the referees, shame for the league to allow this. 23 free throws for them, and we get two free throws in, in the fourth quarter. Like, how to play the game. I, all, I understand uh, respect for all-stars and all of that, but we have star players on our team as well. How's possible is Scotty Barnes, who is all-star caliber player in this league, he goes every single time to the rim with force and trying to get, get uh, to, to the rim without flopping and, and not trying to get foul calls. He gets two uh, free throws for the whole game. How is that possible? How are you going to explain that, that to me? They had to win tonight? If that's, if that's the case, just let us know so we don't show up for the game. Just give them a win. But that, that was not fair tonight. Darko Rajakovic in something that went viral and it automatically becomes one of those instincts in terms of coaching rants post-game. Uh, we just finished starting the good, the bad, and the ugly, and, and ugly is the officiating in the NBA, the NHL, and even the NFL. This has not been a great year for Zebras. Uh, 2023 wasn't, and we haven't gotten off to a good start in 2024. John, I do want you to weigh in on on two, uh, what I've got listed as bad practices in the business of sport. One is the communications around the Peacock game south of the border. You need to subscribe for Peacock, the NBC streaming service, in order to be able to watch Dolphins uh, against KC, of course, if you're outside of Miami and Kansas City. Is this bad communications or is it bad policy by the NFL and NBC to go down this path at this current time? I'm really worried about where the NFL strategy is headed. I've always thought it was quite brilliant of them to divide up team, uh, to divide up uh, the broadcast rights and the media rights across many, many networks. But now when you start putting them, uh, and, and I thought it was brilliant to put them on streaming services. Um, but when you start putting playoff games and marquee playoff games, and any Kansas City playoff game is a marquee uh, playoff game behind a paywall, um, uh, I, I think that's really dangerous. And I think ultimately um, it will be bad strategy for the NFL because it will create uh, alienation. You need all the fans you can get all of the time. But during the regular season, if you put some games behind a paywall and you allow the local fans to see uh, the games on the regular broadcaster, the local broadcaster, that isn't a problem. Once you get into the playoffs, uh, I think you lose uh, both fans and credibility. You know, on one hand, I think that this is much do about nothing in the sense that we're not talking Gouging. We're not talking about a $99 deal. They're offering a special, actually, 30 bucks for the entire year. And it's not just the NFL access. It's all the movies, all the other titles. But I do think that they should have approached it the way they did their deal with Amazon, where you have Amazon just with the streaming rights, partnering on the broadcast side with, uh, with Fox uh, Sports for a couple of years anyway, and then you transition into exclusivity on the streaming side. The fact that this is exclusivity that seemed to catch so many fans off guard, I think makes it 
the bad communications uh, and and bad policy could have been one year early. And I mentioned this on X uh, at the sport market, THE sport market, that I I don't think you would have seen any uproar if they massively cross-promoted Peacock with NBC but kept all three open to the broadcast side. I see... No issue doing uh, this sort of stuff during the regular season. I see a really big issue doing it during the playoffs at any time. One year notice, five years notice. Doesn't matter to me. Very quickly, Bruce Boudreaux on NHL Network Friday night drops a bomb suggesting that someone in last year's uh, Vancouver Canucks front office was uh, encouraging him, uh, suggesting to him, uh, forcing him, uh, arm twisting him to convert Number 43, the captain of the Vancouver Canucks, uh, arguably a Norris Trophy uh, candidate, converting him to a center. Uh, it was obviously a bombshell. It's gone heavy on social media. Is that just good entertainment by Bruce Boudreaux as an NHL insider, or is it bad timing and potentially sour grapes? Well, it's uh, potentially sour grapes, um, which I think is neither here nor there. Um, It's bad timing only if Bruce Boudreaux wants to be an NHL coach again. Um, Welcome to broadcasting forever, Bruce. Um, uh, We love having you here. Very quickly. Big fan. <laughs> well, and, and I'm a big fan as well. I didn't love him doing it at this stage of the game. It just doesn't carry as much weight when the Canucks are 28, 11, and 3 under this uh, uh, the front office that he left behind, so to speak, or that left him behind. Oh, for sure. Very, very, very quickly. It's a penny stock, but it's going to be a massive story. It'll probably be on our podium next week. It's uh, NFL reportedly, according to the New York Post, taking an equity position in ESPN. ESPN will take over. NFL Network, the Red Zone. What about the optics of NFL owning part a partial uh, owning part of a company that has a very robust sports betting platform? Uh, it is a really serious problem. It's a huge conflict of interest. It it creates um, uh, a great great deal of risk. And it's going to happen because that's become the way of the world uh, with these mergers. And uh, there's far less intervention and robust and, and gambling laws in the U.S. aren't robust enough um, that this gets kicked to the Federal Trade Commission. I don't think. I hope it does. Something should be done to stop this. I doubt it will be. I mean, there, uh, you know, exemption their antitrust exemption is potentially at risk, you know, in this, especially when you see the response of some Congress uh, uh, Congress representatives who have basically said this is bad pool by the NFL and by NBC Universal. He's John Festinger of Chandler, Fogden, Lyman. We'll see you on the other side, John. This hour, of course, has been action-packed. Big NHL weekend, big NFL Super Wildcard weekend. We'll close it out for you on the Sportsnet Radio Network with a lighter side take on the business of sport. The Sport Market on Sportsnet 650 presents the Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport with Torben Rolfson. NFL playoffs, Green Bay Packers, youngest team to ever make them. Not one player on their roster was alive the last time the Detroit Lions won a playoff game in 1991. And crazy coaching carousel. Rock stars have the 20 club. Now football coaches have the 72 club. Black Monday, two NFL coaches fired. Cyber Monday, two NFL owners bought discounts in South Florida spa packages. 
And people are wondering why Bill Belichick's coaching tree is so unsuccessful. Because you can replicate the coaching philosophies and methods learned, but you can't replicate the QB. Nick Saban retired. Jim Harbaugh has become Shiva, a destroyer of coaches. Saban and Pete Carroll on the same day. He knocked them both out of college football. And Ryan Days and ruins at Ohio State. You know, in honor of Saban retiring, I think I'll watch his last game again. You've been listening to The Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport with Torben Rolfson, a special feature of the sport market. Listen again on the podcast and stay tuned Tuesdays at noon at facebook.com slash the sport market.